Welcome to Impact the World, a podcast from West Park Baptist Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is where we discuss topics related to how we can all love God, love people, and impact the world. Here's your host, Tara Hayes. I'm your host, Tara Hayes, and I want to welcome you to the very first episode of 2023. Wow. I can't believe... (laughs) We're talking about 2023. Pastor Al's with me today. Hey, Pastor Al. Hey, Mr. R. Uh, just a couple of days ago, I was talking with my brother, and he was like, can you remember back in uh, Y2K when everybody was so worked up that all of the computers were going to stop? I'm like, that was 23 years ago, and it feels like yesterday. You mean they didn't stop working? They did not. Oh, Here no. we are. They're still working. <laughs> Well, to kick off the year, yesterday we started a three-week series um, about spiritual formations, and Pastor Al uh, focused on Scripture, and uh, that is very foundational, obviously, to spiritual formation. So I thought it would be great for us to sit down, and he can give us an overview of that, and we can talk a little more in depth and talk about some practicality. So I'm excited to have you here today. You know, we should have had this talk before I gave the message. Oh. And then you could have pointed out all the corrections. (laughs) All the things that you needed to change. Yeah, probably not. Remember, (laughs) you're the one with the doctorate. I just draw pictures and talk. Okay, pressure's up. (laughs) Well, I tell you what, it it certainly was good to start uh, the year with this formation series. Uh, 2023 is going to be a challenge for us. As we look back on 2022 and all that had transpired during that year, it just reminds us um, that the Lord says that those who seek to follow after him uh, will have many troubles and issues and concerns Mm. in life. And in order to prepare for that, we need to get back to basics. Yes. And so that's how we really wanted to start 2022. 23. I'm going to say 2022. <laughs> I know. We're, you know still, we're still in that mindset. <laughs> <laughs> so, so to start 2023 off on the right foot, let's look at some of the foundational elements of our faith, the scripture, yes, our communication with God through prayer, community. Right. Uh, how does the body of Christ come together, stay together as we weather through these storms that are coming our way? So it was just a great way to start. Yeah. Uh, and I certainly am looking forward to having an opportunity to review what we uh, we shared. Yeah. Uh, with our with our folks. So with that, uh, let me open it get, open it up this way. Um, had a very interesting conversation with a member uh, about the question of will we have pets in heaven. <laughs> Very deep theological question. Now that, that issue can get you in a lot of I trouble. I know, it really can. I better not laugh. <laughs> you, I, may, you I bet, may make some enemies. You, you better have the right answer. <laughs> and, and as I thought about that question, I went, you know, that's a that's a very profound question in a way. Because the, 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 the only way to really answer that question properly is to go back to what God's Word says. And then... We need to do that with every issue uh, that comes our way. What has God said to his people through his word? Because at the end of the day, the scripture is God's authoritative speaking Mm. for us uh, to give wisdom and guidance as we deal and grapple with the issues of life. So it's a great question. What will heaven be like? Like God has spoken to that. Yes. In a lot of ways. And what can we gain from the scripture that will guide our discussions on will Fido be in heaven? You know? <laughs> yeah. And, and really, just to be open with you, when people ask that question, will there be pets in heaven? I think what they're really asking is, will my, my. pet that I've loved so much be there in heaven with me? Mm. And, and so there's, there's ways to uh, approach that that really gets to the heart of the issue. But again, those kind of questions should be directed by what God has shared with us through his word. Right. What a special gift we have from God. God would love us so much that he would speak to us in a way that we can understand it. Now, that's another key thing mm. about scripture is scripture is God's means of speaking to his people so that we can then uh, have insight into what we should think, 
uh, what we should do and why we do these things. And, right. and that's going to come back as it came out in the message yesterday. But what I'd like to start off with is just reading uh, the passage that uh, became the foundation of what we spoke about uh, this past Sunday. It was 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. Let me just read through that. Here's what Paul shared with uh, Timothy, who was a young man that uh, he had mentored and uh, had just really groomed and, 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 and spoken to this young man's life who would play a critical role in the leadership of the church. God still does that today. Yes. You know, Paul wrote in the book of Ephesians that he's given to the church gifts of leadership, people that would come in and, and help to oversee and, and shepherd his people. And so I just am so grateful that God, again, has made those kind of provisions for us and for his church. Mm. So here's what Paul said to Timothy, and as recorded for us in the second letter to Timothy, chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. Verse number 12, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Mm -hmm. Verse 13, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, <laughs> deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which were able to make you wise, <laughs> underscore the word wise, right. for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Then verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, again, our, our primary emphasis was on uh, verses 16 and 17, uh, but we really wanted to back up to verse 12 because it's just a great introduction into what this whole passage is about. Well, it's amazing to me because, I mean, literally that passage is thousands of years old, <laughs> but it is so applicable to today. Yeah, it, you You would think, that could have been written in 2022 or wow. 2023. All right, so you were listening to the message yesterday. Thank you. <laughs> I, it warms my heart when I can hear something from someone that says, oh, they were paying attention. All right, because we're going to go back 1,800 years here in just a second. Okay. Because that is important. So as we were introducing uh, this passage and working our way to verse 16 and 17, I just quickly highlighted some of the points that came out of those first four verses because they, they are important and they're very deep. And even though we didn't spend a lot of time on those verses, it's not because they're not unimportant. Right. It's just that I needed to get quickly to <laughs> 16 and 17. And some people have accused me of being a little long-winded, but you know, I wanted to try <laughs> to come that back I think that that's probably all of our pastors, but we <laughs> okay. love them. So for instance, back up in verse 12, uh, we are to try to live godly lives, but recognize in doing so, we will feel a measure of persecution. And we certainly can see that happening and being played out in our country and our society today. Yes. When we, as the people of God, say, we can't go there. Right. And why can't we go there? Because God's word tells us to go this direction. Mm. And even though culture and, and the, the, the pressure is there from a societal standpoint, from even a political standpoint, to compromise, and say, well, that's, that, that's nice Just, to do. Right. We can't go there. And we may feel a level of persecution because of that position that we take. But Christ has told us that's what will happen. Verse yes. 12 speaks to that. Verse 13, uh, it, it talks about the fact that there is deception that's out there. Uh, and uh, there will be a whispering in our ears uh, Paul says, a tickling of our mm. ears <laughs> to go in a different direction. And, but we've got to resist that temptation and, and not going the direction that we're being asked or maybe in some ways feeling pressure to go sure, right, from the because world. it's contrary to what God has said. Mm -hmm. And then uh, verse 15, uh, Paul talks to Timothy. He says, guess what? From childhood, 
you've been taught these things. What I really appreciate about that, Christian parents, listen up. Say amen if you are. <laughs> listen up. It's our responsibility from childhood to start raising our children up yes. so that they will understand what God's words are, what his instructions and expectations are, so that we can start to train them in the way that they should go. Um, I was just sharing uh, uh, with our folk that when I first met uh, Terry's parents, my wife's parents, and and they would uh, invite me over for a meal. When when that happened, I was like, okay. I'll be there. I'll be there. (laughs) But here was a neat thing. They'd, they'd all gather around the table, and we would, you know, they would say grace, and Terry's dad would lead them through grace by everyone reciting a Bible verse. Mm. That was just a neat way for the parents to make sure that before anything else took place, there was a proper attention to God's Word wow. from the childhood. Wow. Now, I had what a qu- foundation. Yeah, and I had to quickly learn a, a <laughs> verse to be able to not look so odd in and those situations. And not just John eleven thirty six. So, Jesus oh, no. wept. Hey, I, I, hey <laughs> Jesus wept. I, well, my favorite was God is love. There you go. <laughs> I had that one down pat. All right. And they would go off on two, well, two or three verses long, and I'm going, <laughs> and like, oh, God oh, is no. love. God is love. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, but here's the deal, parents. Listen again. It's not just about bringing your your child to Awana, but I encourage you to do that. Yes. It's about participating in Awana with your kids. It's about... And that's that happens not just on Wednesday night. Exactly. There's the point. It's about if, if all, it, all Awana is for you is to bring your child so that they can memorize some verses and get some rewards, then you're missing the point. Mm-hmm. It's about living out Psalm 119.11. I have buried your word in my deep in my heart that I may not sin against you. How do you take what you're learning in Awana, fathers especially, mm-hmm. and live that out day by day by day? Maybe it is reciting some of those memory verses around the dinner table. Or maybe it's when they're going to sleep and, and you want to have an alternative prayer to, now I lay me down to sleep. <laughs> If you want to do something different, get become part of what they're learning in a water, yeah, and 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 reciting those verses for them and finding opportunities throughout the day to say this is this is why you memorize that verse, uh, in order to put it into action in your day to day life. That's why this formation through scripture emphasis was so important because again, when you look through. What's Paul is how Paul is setting up verses 16 and 17. It's some really practical, deep advice there for parents, for believers, for any follower of Christ. And so, there are very important issues there. Yeah, it's it is it's very foundational to our spiritual formation. All right, yeah, so but it led us up to Mm. what I wanted to talk about and. And uh, verses 16 and 17, all scriptures breathe out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so here was a lot of one. Uh, you know, good Baptist preacher. I got a three-point <laughs> outline, okay? Three, three points. points. Now, I couldn't get my alliteration completely mm. right on this one, so everybody was a little it's disappointed. Right. But right. the first two followed the same format. Uh, point one was the provider of Scripture. Well, how, how did we get this wonderful gift? Right. Uh, Paul tells us that in these verses. Then he, he goes on to point two, uh, the profitability of Scripture. All right, so God has provided the Scripture, but for what end? And Paul's very clear so that we may profit from it. So, so I wanted to spend some talking, time talking about uh, how is Scripture profitable for us. But here's where I lost my alliteration. That's right. The point three, I couldn't do another P, so I had to introduce an M. <laughs> oh. And I want to talk about the motivation from Scripture. 
So start off by talking about who has provided a scripture, why was scripture provided for our prophet, but that whole issue of motivation. What's the result there. of that? It was the results and why do we do the things that we do? Why do we think the way we think? Mm. There's a reason for that, and there's a motivation that God wants to make sure is evident in our hearts. Because if that motivation's not that, we may even think right. Right. We may even do right, but if the motivation's wrong, there's going to be some issues. Right. There. Well, it becomes self-righteousness. All right, watch out now. <laughs> now look, look here. Now, I know you heard sorry. the message yesterday, but let me let me tell it. I'm sorry, sorry. <laughs> okay. All, right. All right, now, so from the very beginning, what, when we talk about the provider of scripture, uh, to get to get to the bottom of the chase, here's the deal: we know that God has breathed out the scripture. Paul says. All scripture is breathed out by God. Right. All right. Now, there, there's a huge theological uh, debate and discussion around what does it mean to be breathed out. Uh, I think Peter, again, we'll maybe look at that passage, says that men were not moved by their own will or desires, but by the Holy Spirit to pin for us exactly what God wanted to have said to his people in the way that he wanted it said. Uh, that's fundamentally what it means to be breathed out. My emphasis is really on that three-little-letter word that comes before Scripture. It's that word called all, all. A-L-L. So, Pastor Al, what does all mean? It is amazing to me how many people <laughs> don't understand what the meaning of all is. It's pretty and obvious. I said, okay, now tell me what has been left out of all. And Everybody looks at me like, what are you trying to pull over on me? But it's a valid question to ask. The question is, what's left out of all? And the answer, obviously, is nothing. nothing. So when you hold in your hand that wonderful gift God has given to us, uh, and we have pulled that together in what we call our Bibles, we've got to realize Scripture says of itself that everything that you have contained in there has been breathed out by God. Now, Satan has sought to attack that from the very beginning. Yes. We can go back to Genesis 3 1. Uh, here's what the, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say? Look, that attack. Is going on today. Every day. Every day. Satan recognizes that if he could destroy the foundation of God's word in our for in God's the heart of God's people, then we're we're free all of a sudden to follow our own thoughts and understanding. Mm. And when we do, we lead we end up in all kinds of different places for all the wrong reasons. Mm, it never takes you where you think it will. It never takes you where, uh, where or you where think you it want and it to take you. And it take you to places you don't need to go, and it leave you there for a long, long, long time. time. Yeah. So here's the question: Is God the provider of Scripture? Well, the way to answer that, go back to Scripture. Yes. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of people waxing eloquently, philosophically about issues, and and their thoughts, but they're starting in the wrong place. Mm. Let's go back to what God says about Scripture. So here's some passages. Let me, let me just read through some of those, and okay. I think it frames very well for us uh, the question around uh, where does Scripture come from? First Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, verse 13. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, mm. but as what it really is. Not, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. All right. These are not the word of men. Right. No matter what human philosophy says. You know, uh, these guys were working out of their own cultural context and, and they were working through and trying to get a better understanding of what it meant to be a follower of God and to seek after him. No. Mm -hmm. These these are not the words of men, but they're the word of God. 
Mm. Point one. All right. Don't don't believe that one? Let's go jump <laughs> over to 2 Peter 1.21. Here's what Peter says. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. Hey, let me stop there. You know, I talked a little uh, earlier about that three-letter word, all, A-L-L. There's another word. It's just two letters that people struggle with. It's the word no, (laughs) N-O. All right, now, no means no, okay? And it says, Peter says, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That gives me chills. Amen. Now, I, you know, I was I was born at night, but maybe not last <laughs> night. But well, no prophecy. <laughs> no prophecy. I mean, to me that, and I know you're going to talk about this later, but that talks that speaks to how um, reliable the Scripture is, because man. Did not. This is not dreamed up by man. This is nothing that he has done. This is all of God. This is all of God, okay? And, and it carries that power, okay? Peter would, would go on and he would talk about a, a situation where he and two other disciples accompanied Christ to the mountaintop and the transfiguration uh, occurred and Elijah and Moses showed up to, to be with Christ and he witnessed that with his mm. own eyes. He saw it. I mean, there was no doubt about in his mind what he had seen. But then he goes on to share with us that even though he saw that, and there was there was no question in his mind about what had occurred, he goes on and says, but I have something that's even more sure. Mm. And what is that, Peter? It's the Word of God. Wow. We don't, we don't, we don't fall back on our experiences. Uh, we don't fall fall back on what we feel. What we fall back on is the Word of God. Because the Word of God, and I don't want to jump too far ahead, is profitable. Mm. It's going to accomplish what it has set out to do. That's what Isaiah says in Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11. Listen to what he says. For as the, the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth. Mm. We've been getting a lot of water here lately, haven't we? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth, mm. for it will not return to be empty, but it shall accomplish what I purposed and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God has given us his word with a purpose. And to the degree that we are invested in understanding what God has said in his word, aligning our thinking with what God has said in his word, doing what God has told us to do in his word for the right purposes and the right motivation, then God's word will accomplish what God has intended for it to do. Well, I just think that is so encouraging because I feel like in our culture and in our world, so many people and even believers can question, what are we doing here? Why are we here? What is what is going on in the world? Or, you know, and I think God is he is working out his plan and he has laid it out in his word. Trust him. And we can trust him and we can know. We can know. What he is, I mean, we're going to know details, but we know what he's doing. Right. We know what's going to happen. Yeah, when I think about my uh, working definition of faith, and the Bible tells us very clear that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So when I think about what faith is, I always think about faith as, as the evidence that we have great confidence that God will do what he has said he will do, based on what he's already done Mm, and what he's currently doing in our lives. So we have a future of assurance. Jesus is coming back, y'all. Yes. Coming back for you. (laughs) He's coming back for you. (laughs) He's coming back for me. This this whole earth is going to be renewed. And, yeah, they're they're going to be pets in heaven. (laughs) Okay? I'll let you in on that little little secret. secret. Okay. I wanted Uh, to ask, but I was afraid to. (laughs) <laughs> and so we we know, and we're going to rule with him for all of eternity, okay? 
And we can count on that. That's the blessed hope. Yes. Uh, if 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 Christ uh, continues to tarry and 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 my life expires and this old body goes to the grave, but my spirit goes to be with Him, my blessed hope it is one day. I'm going to be resurrected. This physical aspect of me is going to be resurrected and reunited with that spiritual uh, entity that's gone to be with Christ. And and then I'm going to be with him for all of eternity. Mm. That's my blessed hope. How do I know that's true? Okay. It's because by faith, I can look at what God has already done. Yes. He parted the Red Sea. Mm. He rescued uh, the people of Israel. He blessed them when they were obedient to his word. I, I can look at the historical evidence of what God has already done, and, and that's being unfolded for us each and every day. But then I can look at what God is doing right now. While I was yet a sinner, God saved this thing, saved me. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I can look around and see God at work today in the lives of so many different people. He's still at work today, and because of what he has done what he's doing right now, I have the greatest of confidence that he will do what he said he will do. That's what faith is all about. That's what Isaiah says. But it shall accomplish which, that which I purpose and succeed in the things in which I send it. That's, we can trust on that God's word to do exactly what he says it will do. Mm. Now look. That's God, encouraging. God is serious, though. Yes. He's serious about anyone who doesn't reverence his word. Mm. Okay? Because scripture has been breathed out by God, all scripture. God wants us to have a high degree of reverence for what he has said. And when we violate that, scripture speaks about what the cost, what consequences will be. Revelations. You knew I was going mm-hmm. there, right? I did. Revelations 22, because you listened to what I said yesterday. I try, Pastor, <laughs> okay. I try. Revelations 22, 18, verses 18 and 19. Here's where John the Revelator says, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, mm. God will add to him the plagues described in this book. Mm. Verse 19, and if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which were described in this book. That is serious. He's serious about it, isn't And he? I don't think people fully see the depth of the seriousness of what that means. It's a serious thing. And especially even more so for people who call on the name of Christ. Yes. Who gather together on Sunday mornings and worship him. Yeah. But do not have a high view of scripture mm. as being the final authority in their lives. It's a serious issue. And it's scary, honestly. Okay. Now, let me tell you, I'm, like, I'm getting ready to show you the, again how scary it is. Because the even with those warnings, um, the reality is we live lives as if. We don't understand those. So mm-hmm. I mentioned that Ligonier Ministries mm-hmm. and LifeWave Research have partnered together to conduct a comprehensive study uh, concerning the prevailing views about God's word and what he has said. So for the last several years, I think it goes back to as early as 2014, maybe 2012, they have gone methodically through uh, a survey of trying to understand the state of uh, theology among God's people. Mm. I'm going to read to you the opening paragraph um, from that survey. Okay. Here's what he says. Uh, the 2022 State of Theology Survey reveals that Americans increasingly reject the divine origin and complete accuracy of the Bible. With no enduring plumb line of absolute truth to conform to, U.S. adults are increasingly holding to unbiblical worldviews. In the evangelical sphere, doctrines including the deity and exclusivity of Jesus Christ, as well as the inspiration and the authority of the Bible, are increasingly being rejected. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) You know, 
while positive trends are there, okay, it's not all bad, uh, including evangelical views on abortion and, and sex outside of marriage, an inconsistent biblical ethic is also evident. Mm. That's pretty sad, isn't it? It's very sad. It's pretty sad. Now, that's a big lofty statement. Let me, <laughs> let me break it down a little bit here. Uh, just to look at a couple of very uh, revealing specifics. Here's one point. Concerning if the Bible is viewed as the highest authority for what we believe, 99% of evangelicals strongly agree that, it, that that's the case. That's a good thing. Okay, yes. All right, 99% of evangelicals uh, view that the Bible is indeed the highest authority. By the way, compare that to the rest of America, only 33% of all adults in America believe that, but wow. 99%. So remember the, the survey said there's some positive trends. That's right. an absolutely positive trend. But what does it mean? Yeah. Well, let me share this. When you ask this question, um, do evangelicals, what percentage of evangelicals believe that God learns and adapts to different circumstances. Understand the question? When you ask the question of evangelicals, is God still learning about his creation? Oh. And based on what he's learning, he's then making adaptations to be the cool guy, to so be in line. Basically, in really plain language, is he changing? There you go. Here's the answer. And I'll keep in mind, 99% say that the Bible's authoritative, okay? Right. When asked the question about is God learning and adapting and changing, 43% of evangelicals oh. believe that. That's disheartening. It's very disheartening. Especially when you have 99% saying. That say they believe in the okay. absolute. All yeah. right. Now, here's another one. Mm. All right, you got your, uh, you know, this, it was kind of quiet. <laughs> When I was going through this, and I don't know, we were, we were going to have the Lord's Supper, and I'm going, man, this is a real downer, <laughs> downer going into taking the Lord's Supper where we rejoice. And, but it's, it's the truth. It's a reality. Here's, so here's the second question. When evangelicals are asked if they think that Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God, 50% of evangelicals say they reject that statement very strongly. 50%. All right. Okay. That's good. But what about but with, the other 50%? But the disturbing part of that means there's another, <laughs> there's another 50% half. that are saying, well, I kind of agree with that, but don't push me too hard to, we, we, we reject that altogether. That's 50%. Now, here's, here's what's disturbing about that. They've been doing this survey for years now, and the trend of evangelicals that firmly reject that teaching that Jesus was not God has been slowly declining over the years. Mm. It's 50% now. What's the next step? Less than half of evangelicals will fight for that. That's a disturbing trend. And that seems so foundational to what we believe. Like it seems like it should be so obvious. You would think so. Especially if you're reading your Bible, right? Especially if you're reading Because scripture. the Bible declares that Jesus is God. Yes. So that leads me to the other point that we talked about. Uh, Lifeway has, has published its own uh, survey that reveals the weakness in the whole belief that evangelicals believe the Bible is authoritative. And here's what, why. When asked the question, how often do you read your Bible? This survey says that only 32% of evangelicals read their Bible every day. 32%. Mm. Authoritative. The word of God given to God's people, but only 32% say they read their Bible every day. That's, that's sad. Let me tell you something that's even sadder. 12% to 15% of evangelicals reveal that they never read their Bibles at all. At all? At all. Now, look. Now, I know, as I said, and you know, that to tell a lie is a sin. But I think 
if I was one of those 12 to 15 percent and somebody asked me that question, I think I'd just go and lie about it. <laughs> I mean, OK, <laughs> probably, because who wants to say that they believe something, but they're never doing the. Yeah. Hey, and look, this is concerning a core principle mm -hmm. in Scripture, in our entire theology. Jesus is God. You take away that Jesus is God. You destroy the atonement. Yes. You destroy. Why would we believe anything else that we read in Scripture? You destroy the foundation of the gospel. Right. You destroy, destroy what Jesus has said about himself, and you turn him into a liar. Mm -hmm. That's heavy, heavy stuff. Quite and the we, way to start out a year, Pastor Al. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but this, this feels but. like a do-over. I'm going. Okay, I beat them into submission. I'm looking over at Tara here, and she's going. I give. I give. I give. No, but it's a conversation that needs to happen. Okay, and look now, uh, it's not a conversation that's just all of a sudden has come up and it's present today. We started our podcast off by saying, "This has been this way forever." Over 1,800 years ago, 1,800 years ago, this was a big fight within the Christian church. Only 200 years after Christ had crucified, been crucified and risen from the dead, the very question around the nature of who Jesus is was an issue that Satan was stirring up in the very early church. I was going to say, from the beginning, he from was going beginning. to stir that. And so that led to one of the most famous councils that has ever taken place in the history of the church in uh, 325 A.D. when the Nicene Creed was formulated. I'm going to read that creed again. Again, I read it yesterday. I'm going to read it again. Here's what, here's what that creed says. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and of all things visible and invisible. And in one Lord, Jesus the anointed, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made, who for us humans and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man, was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again to judge both the living and the dead whose kingdom shall have no end. Mm. True God from true God. Jesus is God. That was debated 1,800 years ago. And guess what, people? Is being debated right now. There's nothing new under the sun. And so we have to stand here. And as Jude wrote in Jude verse 3, now Jude only has one <laughs> chapter, so I don't give you a chapter here, guys. It's verse 3. <laughs> Beloved, although I was very eager, eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Mm. Today, we have to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Jesus is God. Yes. And you need to read your Bibles <laughs> to get that firmly planted in your minds. Or for those who would, apply pressures to us today to back away from that truth, mm. we'll have to go back to <laughs> one of the great reformers of the faith, Martin Luther. And those famous words that he quoted, we need to quote today. Here's what Luther said. Unless I am convict, convicted by Scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of popes and councils for they have contradicted each other. My conscience is captured by the word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything, for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Here I stand. I cannot do otherwise. God help me. Amen. Amen. All right, that sounds so. like a good uh, theme for 2023. 
we, we can't go against what the Bible right. has says. And that really leads us to the second point. If we are willing to commit ourselves to a lifestyle based on the Word of God, Paul is very clear. We will receive profit. Here's what verse 16 says. It's my second point uh, that I uh, had in the message was the profitability of Scripture. And Paul says, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. All Scripture. Uh, I love what Isaiah 6, 9, 6 says, that Jesus Christ is the wonderful counselor. And, and why is that? Because everything that Jesus went about doing and thinking was based on the truth that he knew would be codified for us in the Bible. So Jesus, as he ministered his word, uh, the council people, there were three things that he wanted to do. I've kind of mentioned them already, but let me just bring them together. Here, here's, here's how um, it leads and sets the foundation, the foundation for the profitability of Scripture. When we think about Scripture, there are three things we've got to think of. Scripture tells us what to think. We live in a culture. Wow. Nobody wants to tell us what to think. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to be a believer and you want to know what to think, read your Bible. Because it will tell you what to think. Then, point two, it will tell you what to do based on what you think. <laughs> all right? Oh, that's all I like how that works. My wife tells me all the time, just don't <laughs> think about it. <laughs> okay? Yeah. We have got to make sure that we are doing things based on what Scripture tells us how, how to think. And then the third thing is the motivation of why we do based on what we think. Why we do the things we do based on the way we think. So when it comes to our scripture, how does Paul deal with this? First one, what to think. When we see the words teaching, reproof, and correction, those are thinking words. Mm. That has to do with framing our thoughts, the cognition of what's going on in our deep heart of our soul. Uh, so we need, to, we need to really think deeply about uh, the fact that when it comes to teaching, what God wants us to know, it is there in Scripture. Okay? And then when we go astray from what God has, wants us to think, that's where the reproof comes in. Now, he wants you to go left instead of right. <laughs> and God has given us our conscience, informed by the Holy Spirit, that when we violate God's standard that is in our heart, he, that warning light comes on. The conscience uh, sets us on a path of understanding what we're doing is not aligned with how God thinks. And then that's that last part. We make the necessary correction. God says, do it this way. When I'm not doing it a certain way, God says, but through our conscience, you're wrong. Then the only option we have left is to correct our thinking. Yes. Teaching, reproof, correction. But then Paul goes on, and he also talks about training. And that's, that's so important. Uh, to train means to understand the standard, which way we should do, and then to start working day by day by day by day to train ourselves in righteousness. Okay, I don't know about you, mm. but I know about me. I don't always think the way I should think. No. Uh, but when I start to understand that I need to go left, my tendency is to still wander and drift to the right. So I have to take those steps and train myself instead of going left, right, to go left. That's what God is telling us to do. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8, it's a, it's a trusted passage. Uh, well, here's what the, the writer of Proverbs says. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Mm. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil and it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Mm. Well, and I think that's why for the training aspect of Scripture, that's where the importance of daily reading daily Scripture. Reading. 
Because it's hard to tr- train yourself for something if you're not daily taking part in that. Daily taking part in it. And, and likewise, if you're not, be ready for the consequences. Ugh. That's what Proverbs 13, 15 says. Good understanding gives favor, but the way of the transgressor is hard. Keep doing it the way you want to do. Just keep going that way. See how easy that is. The way of the transgressor is hard. It is. It is. But in the moment, it seems like it's going to be the easy way. But the easy way is never, in the end, the easy way. It becomes the hard way. It's never the easy way. And, And look... We have to be very careful that uh, we have to understand how we think and what we do is important for everything. Because at some point, as the scripture instructs us, we're going to have to give an account mm. for everything that we've done. That's what Matthew twelve thirty six says. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. So there's our That's words. That's frightening. Okay. <laughs> Uh, right. 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of God so that everyone may be recompenses for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Our words, our deeds, hmm. okay? And, and then Ecclesiastes 12.14, for God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. God is serious about his people knowing what he expects. Mm. And how do we know? We By read about it in scripture. the Bible. <laughs> we got to have a high degree of scripture. Yes. And then we have got to train ourselves. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself will be disqualified. Mm. We got to discipline our bodies. We got to train ourselves unto righteousness. Well, that, that finally brought me to uh, point three, and I could just hear everybody set up in their seat when I said, okay, here's the <laughs> conclusion. Here's point three. <laughs> Don't pack up yet. Don't pack up. Uh, after we think things the way God wants us to think, after we are compelled to do things consistent with the manner that God wants us to think, there's this last little point I want to make sure we understand. We need to do things and think things out of a proper motivation. Um, and, and that proper motivation will be the defining issue when it comes to how our works and thoughts are going to be evaluated by God. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.10 says that we're going to all appear before the judgment seat of Christ uh, so that everyone will be judged according to the deeds that he's worked in the body, in the body whether good or bad. So, so Paul is te- teaching that uh, believers will be judged by God. And, and this, is, this is a very important point. We're talking about believers here. We're, we're not talking about those who are outside. there's a lot of conversation about whether or not <laughs> believers will be judged. <laughs> this, this, is, this is that Bema seat of judgment. Right. The, the other seat of judgment is that white, great white throne the great seat. great white throne. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't want to go there. No. Listen to me, people. You don't want to show up there. And the way you you get out of that judgment is here right now. The gospel is going out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and even now as we speak and have this podcast, if there's anyone out there that's unsure about their relationship with God and understanding the gift of salvation that God is extending to all people, please give us a call. Yes. We, we'd love to talk with you about the gospel and what it means and so that you too can experience that freedom and that you will show before that uh, seed of, of judgment where God's going to be looking at your works and he's going to be evaluating your works and determining did you have the right motivation. Mm. The Bible calls those kind of works in 1 Corinthians 3, 12 through 15. Let me, let me read that, turn and read to that, because I think it's an important issue and it's one that you've just brought up. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 through 15 says, Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become manifest. Okay? He's going to, what the quality of your work, the motivation of your work will become evident in that day. For the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. 
if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. Mm. But in verse 15, if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, praise the Lord, but only as through fire. So we're talking about believers here. Our motivation will make the difference between those works that will survive versus those that will not. For those that will survive, we will be giving uh, crowns that we can Mm. then uh, cast before the feet of Christ. That's important. But here's the deal. As I kind of ended everything, it all comes down to what thus said the Lord. And where is that found? In the Scripture. So as we talk about formation in 2023, as we talk about starting our way down uh, this year's path in a proper and just and right way, my admonition to every believer, don't read your Bible every once in a while. Mm. Uh, Read it daily. Take the Word of God. Bury it deep in your hearts through meditation, Scripture memorization, so that it's not only words on a page, but it's words written on your heart. And they're changing your life. And they're changing your life. It will determine how you think. It will determine what you do. But you also will have the right motivation. Mm. Those three elements are important. That's what we're going to help you with here at West Park. Um, We have equipping classes that are set up that are aimed at that. Uh, We have a training center uh, that meets on Tuesday evenings that goes into in-depth into understanding what the Word of God says and means, we have a, we we extend an invitation to each and every one of you. Come and join us, yes, so that we can mine the richness of what God has provided for us in the Scripture. It's an important thing to do. It is, and I I can't think of a better way to start twenty twenty three than to underline and emphasize the importance of Scripture, and um just what that looks like in our daily lives and to motive, you know, to encourage people to be motivated. Like if in the past, don't look, don't look to the past, but look forward to what God wants to do and to, to build that um, habit in your life of reading scripture every day, memorizing scripture, meditating on scripture. But yeah, I I mean, equipping classes, they're getting ready to start again. And I think 2023, you have the chance now to change what 2023 could be like. And um, it's just a good opportunity for a new start. Good. It's been a lot of fun to sit down and talk with you, Pastor Al. Okay. I appreciate it. And we're going to have a good 2023. Count on it. I know. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Impact the World. To find out more about West Park Baptist Church in Knoxville, Tennessee, visit westparkbaptist.org.